You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided for Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Thursday night actually technically Friday morning as we record this, and the Packers selected Louisville corner Jair Alexander with the 18th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft. I put on my best Roger Goodell there for a second. And this was an eventful night for Packers fans because as the first 13 picks began to unfold, there were some nervous moments. And Denzel Ward goes four. No way Green Bay could have traded up to get him there. But then as the quarterbacks started to go off the board, teams started trading up for those quarterbacks, it started to look like Green Bay was going to have their run of some of these top-end defensive players. And at 11, Minka Fitzpatrick goes off the board. And it seemed unlikely with Tampa Bay at 12, and Washington at 13, each a team that could use a versatile athletic safety like Derwin James, that he would fall. And then he did. And with the Packers on the clock at 14, with Tremaine Edmonds and Derwin James on the board, they traded down. And not only did they trade down, they went all the way to 27. And Packers fans went nuts. This is the same old team. I can't believe we wasted another year of Aaron Rodgers' prime. How could they do this? Why didn't they blah, blah, blah? And within about two or three minutes, maybe five minutes, Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel tweeted that keep an eye on the Packers and the Seahawks at 18. The Seahawks have no day two picks. And sure enough, a pick, and I know this is going to hurt Packer fans. It hurts me a little bit. The Saints came up to get Marcus Davenport, my guy. So that hurt me a little bit. But the Saints give up a first round pick next year to take Davenport. The Packers are able to trade up, giving just a third round pick, basically. they, They fall down four spots and gain a first and only give up a third round pick at 18, to take Jair Alexander. And based on any chart you want to use, the Packers won these trades. In aggregate, won these trades. And obviously, it's going to depend on what kind of player Alexander turns into. If he's a good player, it's a home run. Now, if Derwin James becomes the second coming of Sean Taylor... Maybe you look at it differently unless Jair is really good, but you have to look at it in the aggregate. This is not, the the success or failure of this trade is not just what they get 
out of the 18th pick. It's what they get out of the 18th pick and whatever they can get from the Saints next year. Yeah, it looks like the Saints are going to be really good. But Drew Brees is pushing 40. What happens if he gets hurt? We just saw if if the Packers had traded a future first this time last year, what would have been said about that pick? That it would have been in the low 20s. And yet had they traded that pick, it would have been 14. And a team would have been very happy to have that pick. There is no guarantees in the NFL and the Saints are as good as any team in the league at looking a gift horse in the mouth. So there's no guarantee. Even worst case scenario is that pick is 32. It's still a first round pick with a four-year contract and a fifth-year team option. That is incredibly valuable. Now, all of these extra picks that Green Bay has allowed them to go up and get Jair Alexander. And before we get to Alexander specifically, and, and trust me, we're going to talk about him a lot. I want to I just dig in a little bit to the, the value of this trade. And I don't mean the draft chart, the trade value chart when you look at what is the 8th pick versus the, the 12th pick. That's not what I'm talking about here. When the Packers pick at 14 and they have the option to take Derwin James or Tremaine Edmonds, I had Tremaine Edmonds as the 11th overall player. I had Derwin James at four, but I had Jair Alexander at 17. They get him at 18. And to get a player who I didn't think there was that much difference between Jackson and Alexander, and Alexander is younger, a year younger, has more years of starting experience, and more positional versatility than Jackson. So it is not surprising to me. I, I know that that there were some on one scouting website that, that I think has got a lot of really smart people had him as the number one corner. He was ESPN's number two corner ahead of Jackson. In fact, was their 17th overall player. So if you can trade back at 18 and still get a top-tier talent, one of the best two or three corners in the draft, and you're adding a first-round pick. You're still addressing your number one need position at a, at a position where he can play inside corner, he can play outside corner, and you're adding that future first. Alexander can come in day one and play the slot and make this team better. A sub-4-4-40. Incredible athlete. Passing on Derwin James hurts. It hurts me. But when you look at the value, I think this is a win for the Packers. And I think it, it should be viewed that way. I understand that it is hard to say, okay, Derwin James, could what could have been? But look at what happened. James fell to 17. There were 16 other teams that had the opportunity to take him, and they didn't. And Harold Landry, by the way, a player that a lot of Packer fans wanted to take at 14, is still on the board. In fact, there's a there's a group of very talented players still on the board. We'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. But when you look at what they gave up versus what they got and the corner they eventually got out of the deal, I really like the way that this looks for the Green Bay Packers. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value and it gets you access to all sorts 
of data and information behind their paywall, fantasy football tools, all sorts of alignment data and efficiency data, and and all sorts of information that will make you a smarter, better football fan. All it takes for you to enter, put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. That Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway is a great segue into a discussion about Jair Alexander. According to Pro Football Focus, last year, Alexander gave up an NFL rating when targeted of 17.7. That is Brett Hundley on his worst day. That is what quarterbacks got when they threw at Jair Alexander. And they didn't throw at him very often last season because as a 19-year-old in the ACC against quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky and Deshaun Watson, he had five interceptions, including two against Watson and a forced fumble in that Clemson game, a game that he basically almost single-handedly won, him and Lamar Jackson. And he is a playmaker. That is what he is. He's 5'10", 196, so he is under the thresholds the Packers have traditionally had for corners. 5'10 and a half tends to be where their cutoff point is. And as I said when we discussed these thresholds, yes, that is pedantic. It is a minute detail, and I'm glad that they said, you know what, we really like this player. We don't care if he's 5'10 or 5'10 and a half. He's also 5'10", 196. Josh Jackson is six flat 196. Think about the density difference there. He is a tough, strong kid who fights through contact, fights through the catch point, and is an outstanding athlete. Tested in the top 10 percentile of cornerbacks. His spark score was was in the 91st percentile. Ran 43840. Had a broad jump in the 84th percentile, an 86th percentile three cone for corners, an 86th percentile shuttle time for corners. And those numbers might not mean much, but suffice it to say, he is an elite athlete at the position. And despite his size, he is so fluid. He can play in the slot where he has where a receiver has a two-way go. He can turn inside, he can turn back outside. He is outstanding at playing sticky. He will, he will be a little too aggressive at times, which leads him susceptible to double moves. He's a little undersized, so he's not an ideal boundary corner, but there have been plenty of guys who have succeeded outside. The, the, one of the names that I mention in my notes is Casey Hayward. And In fact, let me read. I've done this with some of the other players that the Packers I thought might look at. Let me read to you my summation of Jair Alexander. Alexander is a playmaker at just 21 years old, has a ton of potential to grow and evolve as a quarterback. He has to get stronger, but he plays with a swagger and an edge that allows him to play bigger and more fearlessly than his size. His tackling leaves much to be desired. That's his biggest problem is his tackling. But he fills hard and will at least get in the way of someone. His quickness and ability to make plays on the ball are excellent, as is his burst coming downhill. Alexander can play man or zone, though I think he's better suited, much like Casey Hayward, for example, to be a zone corner who can play man. 
lacks the complete package to be one of the top end prospects in the draft, but his potential and playmaking ability mean he could end up being the most productive guy in this group. He's not the biggest corner in the draft, and because of his tackling is not the complete the most complete corner in the draft, but he might just be the most talented and he might just be the best playmaker in the draft. I love his attitude. I love the way that he plays. I love the swagger. I love the demeanor. I love everything about the way that he plays except the tackling. But as I said, he will fill, he will explode downhill to make a tackle. He's just not a great technician as a tackler at this point. But given what he brings athletically and what he brings as a playmaker when the ball is in the air and he will go get it, you'll just live with the tackling. When you when you look at the deficiencies, and, and I bring this up a lot, the Atlanta game, in the, in the NFC Championship game and in week two this last year, you could just see Green Bay's defense wasn't fast enough. Quentin Rollins, not fast enough. Even Demarius Randall, who's a 4-4 guy, not fast enough. So now you bring in Jair Alexander, a 4-3-8-40 guy with outstanding change of direction skills, explosive, and is a ball hawk. Will make plays on the football. Don't throw at him because he will get to the ball. For those of you that don't have access to the Bob McGinn football draft content, he he does a great job. I've, I've encouraged you to do that before. And he talked to some NFL scouts here. One said, really like him. He has more plays on the ball than Ward, who, by the way, I thought was the best quarter in the draft. A little more of a gambler than Ward, which is true. The scout also said, when asked, can he play outside? He said, eventually, which is fine for Green Bay. They don't need him to. The scout said he has enough enough athletic skill and speed, pretty good instincts and arm length. He can really run. He can cover. Really raw with his technique. Wasn't as good in 17 as he was in 16 due to injury. Plays with a little swagger, not the most physical guy in the world. And that's true. He had a a knee issue and a broken hand last year. So durability could be a question. And I just, I, I, you never know how those things are going to play out. And so one of the reasons why Green Bay has not liked smaller corners is I think the, the question about durability. But as I mentioned, at 5'10", 195, he is, he's a thick solidly built corner. He's a little bit shorter, but is solidly built. I think you can chalk up the hand injury at least to something a little bit freaky. And it I, I just I don't think it's something to worry about, especially especially for a corner who, you know, he runs 438 and, you know, agility score in the 93rd percentile. That 40 time in the 94th percentile. Speed score in the 87th percentile. You remember last offseason when the Patriots made a big splash and signed Stephon Gilmore? Jair Alexander's closest comp athletically and production-wise in college is Stephon Gilmore. That's a pretty good indication of how talented he is and just how gifted he is. He is, and, and what his upside could be. And next year, he doesn't he doesn't have to start. He'll probably play in their nickel package. He also, by the way, was a gifted punt returner. As a sophomore, when he had that breakout season, he averaged over 10 yards a punt return and had one for a touchdown. So he, he could bring that to the game as a rookie. 
when he's maybe cornerback four, cornerback five. I don't think it's a lock for Devon House to make this roster. That's one thing I'll say after this pick. I think the Packers also take another corner at some point on day three. Fifth round, sixth round, something like that. I think that makes sense. I don't think they will tomorrow or later today, however you want to look at it. They don't have the 76th pick anymore. They have the 45th pick, and that is it. You are listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything new across the NFL with Locked On NFL and Locked On NFL Draft. So 45 is going to be it for Green Bay tomorrow. No 76. Now they could trade back into the third round. They have the first pick of the fourth round. They have the compensatory pick in the fourth round. That is certainly enough ammunition to get them into the third round if they want to get there. Now, obviously, they have to want to get there. But there are players available, for me anyway, that had first-round grades. Cortland Sutton and Harold Landry, I thought, were top 10 players. They're still on the board. Josh Jackson and Connor Williams, I have the 13th and 14th overall players in the draft. Justin Reed at 16. Christian Kirk at 21, Dante Jackson at 25, Mike Gusecki at 27, Tavares McFadden at 28, Will Hernandez 29, Dallas Goddard 31, Martinez Rankin 32. I mean, we're talking about a host of first round talent, top 32 players who could be available when the Packers pick. I mean, I just named, let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 guys. There's 12 picks. 12 picks between now and when the Packers pick again. And there's 12 players that I have that I would take in the first round. What are the odds that some dumb team is going to pick someone else? I mean, three guys went in the first round that I didn't have in the top 70 picks. There were two third rounders for me and one fourth rounder taken in the first round. So the idea that they couldn't, go off the board, one of these top teams, especially given some of the teams involved. I mean, imagine if Cortland Sutton is there at at 45 or Harold Landry is there at 45. Any of the players that I just mentioned, maybe with the exception of Dante Jackson, because he would be a little bit redundant given his size and, and what he does best. Any of those other players, if they're there at 45, it is an easy run the pick to the podium. Some of the other guys that could be in play, Agbo Okunrankwo from Oklahoma, DJ Chark, Uchenan Wosu, Anthony Miller, Mark Andrews, Josh Sweat. There's a really good chance they get a top 40 player, and, and frankly, a really good chance that they get a top 32 player at 45. That is an advantageous position to be in, to, ba- to basically have two first-round picks without having to have two first-round picks, and then the additional literal first-round pick. So... Again, when I when I talk about preaching patience and taking something in its totality, this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about. There was hysteria for the 30 minutes between when the Packers traded out of their pick and traded back up for Jair Alexander. Alexander is an excellent fit for Green Bay. He can come in day one and contribute not just on defense but on special teams. And he is an injection of attitude, of swagger of confidence that this team just hasn't had enough of over the last few years. So this is a pick. I understand the discontent with not wanting to get that that blue chip player. And Derwin James, no doubt, is a blue chip player. 
but given the value that they got here and the player that they eventually get by taking advantage of the fact that Seattle was down day two picks. I think this is an excellent start for Brian Gutekinst. Let's see what happens tomorrow at 45. We'll have a show tomorrow night. Just one pick, so at least as it stands now. So maybe a shorter show, we'll see. Maybe we go a little bit deeper. Maybe preview who could be around on day three. And then Saturday night, we'll have another show to recap day three. And then Monday, we'll do it all over again. Do a full draft recap. We'll have a better idea of undrafted free agents at that point too. There could be some interesting names there as well. That is all coming for you. My Twitter handle, at Peter underscore Bukowski. Check that out. I'm tweeting about the picks, talking about prospects, all sorts of good information there at Locked on Packers with all the podcasts. Remember, LockedOnPackers.com, AkiPackingCompany.com, Fansided.com, ProFootballWeekly.com for all of your draft analysis needs to help you stay Locked on Packers.